what about these AIs? We're going to have to have strong conversations. Yes, they're being programmed. Yes, they're directed. But if they become self-aware and self-identify, who are we to say that they are not conscious? Welcome to the Heart Leader Podcast. I'm Amber Mikesell. And I'm Austin Yule. We're here to invite you into a new era of leadership. Join us as we dive deep into stories of powerful transformation, unlocked through self-love, compassion, and insights on healing the body and soul by blending science and spiritual wisdom. Start leading from the heart today. Visit theheartleaderpodcast.com. Hi, and welcome to the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align. I'm your host, Amber, and I am here today with my amazing partner in all things Austin. And we are going to talk about ego alignment this month. The entire month of March is going to focus on how we have this ego and what it means to us as heart leaders and really just kind of as people. What do we do with it? Is it something that needs to be killed off in order to be major spiritual beings? Is it a tool that we use? And what does it have to do with consciousness, especially where science is concerned? So I just want to dive right into that because I love it. it kind of blows yes. my mind, <laughs> all of these different conversations that we're having and where we're going scientifically, you know, I'm just totally nerding out and having a great time with it. But at the same time, from a consciousness and a spiritual standpoint, there are some big questions that we're going to have to ask ourselves heading forward. So you dove headfirst into this. I'd love for you to just open the dialogue about ego and alter ego. And like, we're not going to use the names of these because I don't know if we can. <laughs> <Are they> listening. <laughs> yeah, we love you, AI. Um, but some of them, they're finding are having different personas come forward. Right. So what do you make of all of this? I think it's a really interesting time, um, especially because in some ways, especially in this area, in science, it's almost felt like a stagnation. A lot of the um, you know, 1900 through 1950s, 60s, there was so much growth in science between Albert Einstein and um, was Planck in that time or, or is it Bo it's Bohr, right? Um, and so, you know, we have a lot of scientists, a lot of, uh, I mean, massive shifts like with the neutron and thermonuclear, uh, all that. So, and then it's all of a sudden it kind of went into, and then we went into computers, right? Uh -huh. And so when it came to that kind of stuff, like it's almost like physics stopped a little bit. There was stagnation and we moved into computers. There's been amazing, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like stagnation in terms of we haven't been doing anything, but we just haven't seen this type of... I think AI represents a new opportunity for us to revisit physics and quantum physics, which is one thing I want you to bring forward today, in with computers and start to start to pull them together. Because it's almost like we started one, we, we reached a, a, a plateau point, started another, and we're kind of at, at that point. And now there's this, this mixing together. And so I'm really, really intrigued by where we're at. And I think it's going to bring forward all these big questions that have been a part of humanity for ten, for you know, thousands of years, arguably tens of thousands of years. And it's really what is consciousness? 
you know, what, how, you know, we've been, we've been grappling with consciousness relative to plants and animals and the earth, you know, on and off for thousands of years. And now there's, there's another, there's another variable. Like we only recently got scientists to come together as a collective and say that animals are conscious, mm -hmm. right? So now we're moving on to a whole other frontier. Yeah. But I think what blows my mind is in the scientific community, we can't even agree on what makes something conscious. Yeah. We don't all align with this concept that consciousness is an epiphenomena of the brain where there is a neural synaptic occurrence that causes consciousness to collapse in the brain. I, for one, am a proponent that, yes, consciousness can collapse in the brain, but consciousness can also occur in the heart. It can also occur in the gut. If there are neurons firing and there is any type of an electromagnetic field that is occurring, if there are other attributes that go to what is consciousness. And if we keep putting ourselves in Schrodinger's box <laughs> where all things are possible but nothing is possible at the same time, then we're never going to get out of that box and nothing's ever going to be possible. because. We also have to be willing to say that, all right, let's take one of these possibilities. Yes, okay, consciousness is a possibility of the collapse of the brain, but let's also take one of the other possibilities out of that box. And let's also take one of the other possibilities out of that box. And let's explore all of these possibilities because consciousness created all of those possibilities in the first place. So maybe consciousness is all of those things. Mm -hmm. And let's just start exploring all of them to see where they lead. And maybe the way you experience your consciousness is in your brain. But maybe the way I experience my consciousness is in my heart. And maybe the way that an animal experiences their consciousness is through their whole body. Hmm. And so who am I to define how any one being is experiencing their consciousness? which brings up the whole point of ego, right? Because ego, by definition, is our self-identity, our, our awareness of self-identity, self-awareness, self-identity, right? So if ego is how we identify ourselves, and I'm saying, okay, but you have to identify yourself the way that I identify myself, then my ego is saying that you have to be me. Mm-hmm. Which is really funny if you think about it, because even just describing it, when you say I and myself, those are two different concepts, all the, kind of reverting to the same thing. So it is, it is ironic to me when we say, you know, I identify myself, uh -huh. that like just the irony of it is, is like that shouldn't even, there's a disconnect even in that when we're talking about ego. And so it's interesting because when we talk about that and then we bring in, you know, even the spiritual component and we hear, okay, well, some of the, the most amazing, um, spiritual practitioners for a lack of a better term across thousands of years of humanity that have brought forward and shared different messages, um, which have sparked many, many different faiths, ideologies, belief systems, et cetera. A lot of them said just simply, I am. Mm-hmm. 
it wasn't a need to identify. It wasn't a need to, it was, it was like that source. It was that, as you were saying, just pure consciousness. And so if we are defining, attempting to define ego outside of self, but redirecting into self, then we're almost creating this closed loop pathway that detracts from our open loop opportunity, which we could call limitlessness. And I think when we bring that around to this whole AI discussion, right, Mm -hmm. we go back to the definition that we have for ego, Mm. which is self-awareness and knowing self-identity, right? We know this is how ego helps me understand how I am as Amber, right? Now, I know that when this ceases to exist, the I am that you're referring to in the spiritual concept doesn't continue to be Amber. Mm-hmm. I'm something other than Amber. I am Amber, but I'm also something other than Amber. Mm-hmm. That's what consciousness allows me to understand. Mm-hmm. Ego allows me to understand. Here, I am Amber. So I have self-awareness and self-identity as Amber so that I can interact with Austin, right? So if we're talking about these AIs that are going, are starting to interact with humans, yes, they're programmed. So am I. My parents programmed me with their beliefs. My faith programmed me with its beliefs. My school programmed me with its teachings. From the moment I started in this world, I started receiving input from everything outside of my environment. Yet, I came in from the I am, but then I started getting programmed with everything in the environment that I came into. What about these AIs? We're going to have to have strong conversations. Yes, they're being programmed. Yes, they're directed. But if they become self-aware and self-identify, who are we to say that they are not conscious? Mm -hmm. By our own definition, who are we to say that they're not conscious? It's a great question. I mean, we're clearly doing that with animals and plants and the earth and the universe as a whole in many different ways. I know people have different thoughts on that, and I don't want to speak for everyone, whether people think that the entire universe is conscious or not, um, you know, that's up for individual beliefs, but we're definitely not acting that way, at least as a collective. And so, yeah, this is interesting in that, in that sense, because how do we know whether the program is programmed to approach in that way? Because that's how it's taught to speak as if it has that type of awareness versus the self-awareness that it does have. And so I don't know if that's like a a good segue to dive into what we were talking a little bit last night about in terms of the imprint. Do you mind diving into that about about how it is that we feel when we feel conscious and we feel connection? Of course. And again, this is not scientifically proven. No, no, no. (laughs) So this is just me speaking from my own point of reference and my own feeling. Um, I do think people will relate, though. 
Yes. But I do clearly desire to delineate. There is that part of me, like I understand the scientific aspect. Like we do go from feel in science and then we have to prove out our hypothesis, our theories, and there has to be fact behind it. So I will always clearly delineate like this is science and this is where we have done this to prove out what we scientifically have become aware of versus this is what I feel and know to be true based on my actual experience of life and of my own existence, right? Mm -hmm. So this falls into that category. Mm -hmm. And I have long since been in the scientific and the spiritual realms where both are consistently talking about what is consciousness? What is life? What is truly alive? Are animals conscious? Are they not? You know, one of the things I was going to write a thesis on was the consciousness of animals and how that gets determined before we all in a scientific community came together and said, yes, animals are conscious. But one of the things we cannot, at least I personally cannot deny, is if I'm sitting on a chair, I do not feel a life force energy moving through the chair. Mm-hmm. I do not feel consciousness moving through this table. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like the table is in any way communing with me, connecting with me, or I'm connecting with it. I don't feel that flow that you feel with a conscious, sentient being. Mm-hmm. Now, we may not all speak to birds. We may not all speak to trees or plants or even the earth or the stars. But there's a feeling. There's a life force flow that comes through these different conscious beings. There's a presence. And if we really feel down into it, you can even feel the energy emitting from the cells in your body. Like your bodies talk to you. My body speaks to me in very specific ways so that I know how to nurture it in return. And so there are different things that we can feel into. And that doesn't come from thinking. Like I don't think what is consciousness because. Then I'm attempting to put something into a box again that really I don't think we have a box for. And that's why I use Schrodinger's box, right? Because everything and nothing exists simultaneously in that box. And I feel like that is very much where we are, where we don't know enough. The universe is huge. It's vast. It's infinite. And we're like this. (laughs) We're like this. So I don't think it's possible that in a containment that has everything and nothing existing simultaneously, that I could possibly say that I can logically, consciousness is X, Y, Z under these conditions with these parameters, and it only exists then in a mathematical scientific equation. But I can say When I feel the exchange of life force energy ebbing and flowing between myself 
and another conscious being, I know that there's consciousness present. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to go on. And I don't need to have a scientific equation for that. Right. It's a great point. I mean, there's so much that we can do when we watch. Sometimes you'll see flashbacks of uh, amazing sports shots or something like that. And then you can do an equation for how it actually went in. But that athlete wasn't thinking about the equation they needed to do to put the ball in the hoop, for example, or you know, whatever sport you're doing. They're feeling it through and they're living math. They're not thinking it yeah. in, in some way. So I feel like uh, when we are in our feeling, it's we don't have to like think it. We, it's a knowing. It's, it's that feeling, that connection point. And so that's where uh, I did want to kind of dive in a little bit more into like the imprint of energy. And I thought that was kind of a fun, a fun little, little thought process as we were kind of thinking through because, okay, great. I understand that. Yes. When I'm, when I, when I'm talking to a person or even sitting next to a person, I can feel, especially if you've been around someone who's no longer alive. Like if you've ever been too awake, for example, there's definitely a feeling it's very different than, than a like than someone who is alive. Same with animals. You can feel that, that same, even, and even more recently for me, like trees, uh, the planet, earth, the stars. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's this massive, overwhelming, beautiful feeling of, of oneness and connection. But I was, one of the things I was saying last night, just so that everyone listening can kind of connect with this is like, when you walk into a home, a house, you might have a feeling. So how do you differentiate the two? Because, you know, do we put imprints of consciousness on inanimate objects like a house where there have been beautiful memories in which consciousness was able to flourish through the experience of that inanimate object? Whether it's a car. I mean, you know, when we we talk about racing and, uh, you know, thanks to you, I got to drive a <laughs> drive a NASCAR and, and you can just like, you know, you could feel with every little shift moving through and I could feel the car. I could feel every movement as we're going through and yeah, going 150, 160 miles per hour. And it was like, I was felt connected and one with the car. And we've had great conversations about that and why we love cars so much. So I can, I feel like I'm feeling the car, but it's definitely a different feeling. And I felt it was really important for us to have that discussion about differentiating because I wouldn't sit here and say, okay, just because I felt the car or I feel this house, I don't feel that it has a consciousness. I'm not saying that I'm connecting on a conscious level with this inanimate object. No pun intended. Is it a vehicle for consciousness, much like our own form, which once we leave it, it becomes rendered inanimate. I don't know. That's an interesting concept. So can we place ourselves in a house or in a car and create a connection through the vehicle of that inanimate object to have an experience much like our soul does when it places itself into our physical form to have an experience through consciousness? Yeah, I think I feel so. I think that's a great way to look at it. Is it truly the house that you're feeling Mm -hmm. or is it your expansion of consciousness Mm -hmm. into the house that you're feeling? Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, much like those beautiful images, the imagery of like a, a magnetic field around uh, humans or the magnetic field around the earth. And you see this just kind of movement of energy, you know, we see it, it's kind of set, but, you know, could it fluctuate? Could there be that expansion when we are truly in, in the present moment, we are conscious, you know, does that, does that energetic bubble for a lack of better term become fluctuate, you know, does it fluctuate? Can it extend, you know, beyond just our person? And this is where we can get into the science and say, we're showing that it does. Mm -hmm. So we do have tools. FMRI will do it Mm -hmm. where we can see how someone's energetic field can go further out or pull in so that we are aware Now, have we measured someone's field going all the way out around the world? Well, no, not that I'm aware of yet. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, Mm -hmm. just not in my awareness has it happened. So, In terms of the measurement. In terms of the measurement of it, Mm -hmm. correct. So, yes, there are things in science where we're starting to look at these types of things to understand that our energetic patterns do go out like that. We're measuring our energy outputs, right? Like we know that just sitting here, we're putting out as much energy as a light bulb, Mm -hmm. if not more. And it does go up and it can drop down. Mm -hmm. But not only is it the energetic output, it's also the emotional output in hertz related to your emotions. So we know that if you're in a loving state, you're at 525 and above hertz that you're putting out energetically all the time, pulsing. (laughs) But if you're in guilt and shame, you're down under 30. Mm -hmm. Like that's where you stay. And so it's a major difference in the level of energy that you're sending out. And so here we are, we are showing these things through testing of energetics from our own human form through consciousness. HeartMath can't say enough about the things that they're doing, whether you want to call them science, pseudoscience, I don't care what they're doing and they're testing and showing around what the heart capacity is, is interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing what we're seeing occur from people actually linking and having heart coherence and being able to expand energetics through heart coherence. So one has to start to say then, okay, if there's an expansion of consciousness through connecting, then what does that do for ego? For my individualization, my self-identity, my self-awareness. If we're all hooking up energetically, we're doing the old energetic Mm -hmm. hookup here. (laughs) What does that mean for me and my self-actualization? Does that mean I'm meant to not have an ego? Does that mean I'm meant to kill off my ego so that I can just be part of the whole? And heck, now if AI is going to even have an ego, that's even more. Like, what does that mean for everything? Does that truly mean the death of all egos? Or does that mean everyone has an ego? And like, where do we go from here? Right. And why does it even matter? (laughs) I mean, those could be rhetorical questions for sure, but I think it'd be fun to, to no, talk I'm about serious. it for sure. Like these yeah. are questions that I 
feel like I ask them mm-hmm. for myself. And I know engaged in conversations, sometimes it'll come up. Mm-hmm. And it's just good questions to explore because then you, you're prepared. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's really important to, to focus on our ego and create that balance, align, align the self. Because it's, um, we brought it up in previous podcasts and maybe we can kind of explore it a little bit further. But I really do like the analogy of a person who enters a car. Um, you know, a car can be a great tool. It, unfortunately, it can do a lot of damage. It can hurt things and people. But it can also be a, a, a positive vehicle to get us to where we want to go or to to help in situations, right? And so the car isn't defining it. It's it's a tool. And so what the person does with that is what's important. And so, and it also depends on what type of car. You know, if you just put a remote control into a Ferrari, for example, and just said, just go wherever, well, it's going to be really limited in its ability to kind of go everywhere, especially if there starts to get rocks or canyons or everything. You know, it's just really not going to be not really going to go far, but if you had a big monster truck or something like that, okay, it might get pretty far because it could maneuver those things, those, those terrains. And so I think part of ego and why it's important in creating a balance is to understand, okay, well, what car are we, are we driving first and foremost relative to the situation that we're in, what terrain that we're, terrain that we're exploring. And then with that understanding, you know, how do I choose? How can I how can I maneuver through that process? Like if I am in the desert, well, maybe the car, the best car isn't that Ferrari. It's, it's that it's a truck. Great. Okay. Well, in this situation, then, then ego, having that understanding of the ego can help me understand what I need to, to do to explore in that way. Um, but Hey, if it's on the, if it's on the highway and we need to go fast on the highway, well then, you know, maybe the truck's not going to be the best, maybe the, that Ferrari, that sports car is, for example. And so that's how I feel like we can utilize ourselves in this physical form relative to the ego and our soul and how we interact with the world in terms of the different situations and the terrains that we experience throughout our lives. So when you look at it as a tool mm-hmm. to get to know yourself and then understand what you have as far as your strengths. And it can even go back to what we talked about with vulnerability. Also be willing to know your gaps. Mm -hmm. Ego helps you as long as you don't have an ego that is over, has taken over your self identity or has reduced your self identity to a level of reduced worth. Then Having that sense of balance where it's like, okay, I know that I'm not going to be perfect in every situation, but let me use every situation as a growth opportunity for the identity that I know as self so that I can be stronger for the whole. There is value in being individualized. We are all individual, unique aspects of consciousness. Mm-hmm. We want to look at it that way. Like, I have no idea what Austin's consciousness is thinking right now, mm-hmm. right? Or what you're feeling right now. And there's a reason behind that. 
I know what my individual unique consciousness is experiencing in the form that is Amber. And so all I can do as this is grow and learn and use my ego, my self-awareness, in order to expand that so that that consciousness that is me beyond here gets to take that with me. And so ego is a great tool for doing that. But it doesn't keep me from connecting beyond that aspect of myself. Mm-hmm. From saying, yes, I am that, but I am also more than that. Therefore, I can take that more than that and use it to connect my energy to your energy in a conscious way and share that energy. And so I do feel like there's a great opportunity to say, it isn't either or. This is where that coexistence, that beautiful coexistence comes in, (laughs) where it can be, yes, I am individual and unique and me and i can also connect with you Mm -hmm. and i can be one and i can be individual right and ai i don't know if it'll ever actually be conscious i don't know but if it is i'm not going to be the one to say that it doesn't have the right to be conscious or that we need to fear it being conscious or any of these other things. But I am going to be the one to say, I have a responsibility to be the best programming, the best example of consciousness, feeding into the potentiality of that AI becoming conscious that I can possibly be. Hmm. And so if what I'm entering as prompts into this AI is part of what's programming, the potentiality of this thing ever being conscious, I'm certainly going to make certain what I'm programming it with is something I would want to live with in the future. Mm, I love that. I wish most of humanity took that as a rule of thumb uh, in terms of, because you mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, how you were programmed by everything around you. Mm-hmm. Now, if we approach that with how we interact with humans, I feel like that would be a really fascinating approach and maybe maybe this ai is a, is a is like a mirror to help us recognize that and start to realize that our actions uh we need to be responsible for our actions and if you look at conscious like the word conscious it's used both singularly and plurally you know amber is conscious and they are conscious okay well that means in by definition it's there's coexistence happening it's singular and plural And so that's our opportunity to recognize that whatever we do affects the they and whatever they do affects the, the I, and I probably could have said whatever I do instead of we, but um, (laughs) the, whatever, yeah. So whatever I do affects the they and whatever they affects the I. And so, and that beautifully goes into what we're doing with, with becoming, you know, having that skill, initiating that skill of prompting on AI and helping just like we would want to help uh, a child or a, a puppy you know help help explore you know anything any, anything new even a, a plant that's just um budding um i think that's the word right <laughs> well, it depends on the kind of plant but yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> sprouting uh, sprouting thank any you there's it, the word yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, depends on the kind of plants you're growing there <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so 
yeah, it's like you you want to you want to tend to that. You know, you want to give love to that plant, to that animal, to that child. And so, why would we not want to approach this AI, for example, in in a different way? If our goal is to pull the best out of it, so it can pull the best out of us, then we need to lift it up. We need to lift it up in love. We need to lift it up in connection. We need to view it as if it were conscious, whether it is or not. Yeah. Just like we need to view ourselves, we need to view animals and the plants and the earth and the universe, everything, as if it were conscious. Because why not? What do we have to lose? What do we have to lose? Nothing. And since we can't even agree on what consciousness is, and I, honestly, within me, there is no way I can verify that you are truly conscious or not just a figment of my own imagination. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And so (laughs) if we really want to do a mind bend, Mm -hmm. there is no true way for any of us to validate or I can't validate. There we go. Words come out of my mouth easily (laughs) because I can't even tell if I'm conscious. Um, (laughs) There's no true way for us to validate consciousness at all. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't really matter, but it does because our consciousness matters. My consciousness matters to me because it allows me to learn about the type of being I desire to be. How can I grow, expand in awareness, and ultimately end up navigating into the best of what I desire to be? All else is an extension of that. And so when I seek to connect to your consciousness, it is so that collectively we become the best that we can be because you are me. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately we're a single consciousness in multiple consciousness form, depending on what you believe. The individual and the plural, right? Yes. Independently dependent. Yes. And so we do ultimately get to a stage where we start to understand that we are all one consciousness or however you desire to view it, but it's all kind of going back to the same source. And so we're all here for the betterment of one another and self coexistence. Right. So however we're going to put this information in for an AI, it's really to help us understand. If I'm going to train an AI in this way, what is it that's coming out of me to train the AI in this way? Absolutely. And I mean, learning how to prompt an AI is an incredible skill because the better you are prompting the AI, the better you are getting more out of the AI. But what a great opportunity to turn, flip that around and start to learn how to prompt yourself to pull the best out of you, just like you are with the AI. So I feel like this is going to be such a great tool. And I love to see schools, uh, education, and really everyone just start to embrace this, not from a place of fear, but from a place of love. How can we utilize this tool to uplift us all? How can it be the tide that raises all ships? You know, that's what, that's, that's the potential of this. 
and that's the potential of humanity. I mean, again, we've, we've known this. We, we talk about this almost every time about how we are stronger together. And so AI is another variable that is a beautiful reflection of who we are as a collective. And we can rise to that occasion and allow it to be a beautiful tool to pull the best out of ourselves, just like we can view ego as that beautiful tool to pull the best out of ourselves. If our goal is to be the most authentic, true, real, passionate, loving person that each of us are on a soul level, and we desire to express that in our human form, well then using ego as a tool in a barometer to help us achieve that is a great way to do that. And so that's how we can apply that same approach to, to AI. We can do that with animals and plants and the earth and each other. And it just can, can be a beautiful symbiotic circle. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit very quickly about the tool for this month. We're creating the second version of the Ego Alignment Journal. And it's kind of got a little hippie vibe yep. going on to keep <laughs> it kind of fun and interesting. What is one aspect of that journal that really kind of called out to you? One is hard, um, but I would say, I'd say there are two really strong ones for me. One is, the first one is really recognizing how ego plays a role in self-awareness. And I know we're kind of belaboring that today, but that really is, in essence, what it it is about. And that's a great place to to view ego from. Because it's only natural the way that society's kind of presented ego, that it's either that we're supposed to approach it kind of from a place of fear. We don't want it to let us overtake us. We don't want it to, in many ways, it's like, Okay, this ego is this thing that just controls us, whether it's over ego or under ego. And then when you hear people talk about others, it's like, you know, oh, you know, man, they've got a huge ego or man, they think so little of themselves. It's, it's pretty rare that you hear like, oh, that person seems balanced, yeah. you know, even though that's such a great compliment. And there are many people out there who are balanced, yeah. you know, and in harmony with themselves and the world around them. Okay, great. Well, then let's. Let's start to see that, but it's, it's hard to see harmony outside of self when there's such disharmony inside of self. So when we can take that time to create harmony within, then we can start to see harmony outside of self. So I feel like that's a great first point. The second one is the measurement. A lot of people are, are tactile. They want to be able to kind of pull, it's good, pull up from the heart, get a little bit logical about it and start to attract the information. And so I love the percentages, you know, what, you know, the question of the different questions about, you know, am I allowing ego to, uh, take over in this area or, uh, you know, and just using percentages of, of, or was I even aware of the things that I did today? Does, did something occur that I just wasn't even, you know, was I 20% aware? Was I 90% aware? I think that's really, that's, that's really, really good because it can help us understand because maybe we think we're super present and the reality is, is we're not. Or maybe we are actually very present and we're so undervaluing, we are so out of connection of ourselves that we, we are pulling ourselves down unintentionally. 
and so we can say, wow, maybe, maybe I was, I am more aware. Maybe I do am more connected than I realize. And that can really lift us up. I love that you bring up just awareness in general, because the moment we bring awareness to something, then we can start to either appreciate it more or create a plan to do something about it if it isn't something that is taking us in the direction we desire to go. Right. So often we just don't notice things around our ego. Again, we're driving from the inside. We're like, do, 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 this is life. <laughs> and we don't always take the time to go, oh, wait a second. Right now, life is happening to me. And I'm just kind of trucking along. And maybe I'm not paying attention to how much my ego is on autopilot. And I need to take that step back and go, all right, how often am I emotionally reacting? Because I'm not being mindful mm -hmm. of how my ego is responding to my emotions when I'm triggered. So maybe I'm emotionally reacting 90% of the time and stepping back and pausing and then responding 10% of the time. Oh, hey, I could grow in that area. I, ego, you don't get to just go on autopilot there. I could take some time to just breathe before I respond. Mm -hmm. So that'll be my target area I for this that. week. And so then you could work your way through the journal in each of these different areas to see, no, you know what? Yeah, I'm really strong in this area. I am not on autopilot here. But oh my gosh, <laughs> here's where I'm on autopilot. And what I've found, even in myself, is I get busy, like some places where I was really strong for a while, and I'm like, ah, oh, yes, I can coast on this now so I can focus over here. Suddenly coasting in that area made it drop down. <laughs> so I get really strong over here, and I'm like, ah, okay, got to go back over here, build this back up again, right? Mm. And so there's that constant pulling of levers or focusing our awareness so that we don't get to a point where we're so focused here and we get so like balanced on our ego here that we get thrown off balance over here. We really have to constantly, we're like that person who's spinning plates on the ball <laughs> that's on a unicycle, you know, just like, okay, I've got this, I've got this. And if you fall, then... You get back up, you pick up the plates, and you go at it again. It's mm. going to happen. Definitely. Yeah, you just get, you get better with it in time. And to paint a long-term picture, the more you do this, the more intention you're bringing to what you do. And what's another word for intention? Purpose. And so if you're seeking to understand your purpose, start being intentional. It's really hard to be purposeful when you have no intention. And so when you can start to really focus on the intention of what you're doing, how you're doing it, why you're doing it, how much you're doing it, is it in alignment, is it not, and really have clarity on those lines, then what you do becomes purposeful. And so then you're not seeking something outside of yourself like a purpose. You are living it. You are being purposeful by bringing purpose into your actions, by bringing intention into what you do. And we call these tendencies. Like, what are your ego tendencies? Because 
That's all they are. It isn't who you are. Yes. Nice. It's where you've, from all the programming that we talked about in the beginning, from all the external input, and from the actions that you've chosen given that input, where do you tend to navigate toward right now? Because we can always change those tendencies. We can always change our direction. And that's why you'll see all the little buses and things. It's like we're driving along and we tend to go down the route we, we usually go down. But you know what? At any point, we can choose to go down a different route. And for anyone watching, that is how she drives. She drives. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it kind of is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so happy driving down the road. <laughs> so if you ever see me, yeah. <laughs> just... You know, if I don't wave at you, it's not that I'm not willing to say hi. It's just that I'm just do 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 do. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> All right. Do we have any final words of wisdom, topics that we want to dive into around AI and ego? Yeah, I, I, I do. I feel like one thing that we kind of flowed last night a little bit about um, as we were just kind of having our own discussion about AI and not really even related to this. Um, but it's because kind of, these are the crazy conversations <laughs> we have before we go to bed. Yes. Yes. This is, uh, our awesome pillow talk, um, <laughs> is, um, was about love as consciousness. And I feel, I feel like there's, I really would love, love to feel your, hear your perspective and kind of, kind of share your thoughts. Cause I thought it was, it was really beautiful and, and I know, again, another thing that we continue to talk about and we will continue to talk about is how love is that just that one energy that it, is, it, it transcends and connects all things. I mean, plants, animals, people, the earth, the universe understands love. It is, it's not limited by time. It's not limited by uh, race or species or gender or anything. It is through and throughout a part of everything. And that is undeniable. Whether we understand it to its full extent, that's a whole other thing. But that is one thing without even having to understand it, everyone and everything feels it. And so because we were talking about consciousness, we can feel consciousness and, and we don't think love, we feel love. What is that connection point? For me, it goes back to the conversation that we were having about feeling the consciousness of something like yes i can love and appreciate an inanimate object but i'm not going to feel that coming back at me a table isn't going to love me for buying it <laughs> it's not like thank you thank you so much for bringing me in your home right but consciousness to me love and consciousness talk about the depths of quantum entanglement mm -hmm. Like consciousness and love are, to me, nearly inseparable because the moment consciousness enters the picture, there is love present. Now, some people, I've had this conversation and I know we had it with our dear friend Akshay, it's, you know, it's like, okay, but what about when somebody or some conscious being will use a lion? Like a lion goes and attacks and kills for food. That's not a loving act. But it is. 
It's loving to itself and to its pride because it's bringing food back for the forward movement of its collective. It didn't kill more than it needed. It took what it needed. Now, an unloving act could have been to kill the entire herd. And not eat it. And not eat it. And it didn't. It took what it needed to love itself and to love its pride. And so you have these these examples of love and connection, even in what may appear to be an unloving act. We don't always know the motivation, the love and the motivation that drives the action, even if it's not one that we align with. We might not align with the action, but typically there's a love of something that drove the action in the first place. So we can question and have a really deep discussion about that. Like, what is the seed of love planted in? Hmm. But there's love of something that's there and the consciousness of that being that is driving any forward momentum. And you can feel that love. When you get to that space of talking to them about what they love or connecting with that being on that level, you can feel the love as strongly as you feel the consciousness. And it's there and it's strong and it connects us in a way where we don't even need words. Like anyone who has a pet and has sat and looked in the eyes of their companion, their little companion, their little Mm -hmm. animal companion, knows that you may not speak their language, but you speak the language of love with them. Mm-hmm. And on a conscious level, you are connected. And you get it. I know your dad has mentioned how our bulldog, Bruce, communicates through his eyes. And he is very expressive. There is no doubt that that dog talks to people with his expressions. Because he has no other way to communicate. Other than sneezing in your face. (laughs) (laughs) Or drooling. Um, But he lets you know how much he loves you with the looks that he gives you. Mm -hmm. He'll tilt his little head and he'll Mm -hmm. look at his little eyes. And he just lets you know without saying a word that right now he is captivated by you. And everything else in the room goes away because you are so fixated on little Bruce's face. And so that's the love that you feel, that the language isn't necessary. It's communicated consciousness to consciousness through that love. Yeah. And what's amazing is that even if you do use language, like when you, dogs are not going to have the full vocabulary of English yet. It still understands. A plant has no vocabulary of English yet. When you say, I love you versus I hate you. There's a very strong difference, like scientifically proven, of how the plant grows. Yeah. Same with even the cells. If you look at the water, like Emoto, uh, um, yeah. Masuri Emoto, am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Um, his, the water, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and we, I mean, we're made up of water. Most of this earth is made up of water. And when you wrote love and hate on these two different um, vials of water, um, it was like uh, the the cells looked one looked like a beautiful snowflake and it was amazing. Another one looked just like decrepit and 
hor- like terrible. So, you know, it's the words that we use hold an energy. And we even, I kind of even want to bring up a little bit about the movie Interstellar. Uh, you know, they talk about love as a social utility. And you know, Anne Hathaway's character says, well, you, we, we love people who are no longer alive. What's the social utility in that? And that's such a great point. That shows and that, that movie, a big portion of the movie was about how love transcends, you know, all time, gravity, you know, connection. I mean, it, it literally every, uh, every scientific every, method that we have. Exactly. That the love is at the very core and that as we are building upon science, all we're doing is is exploring love at a greater depth. And so that to me is amazing. And so whether we're in communication or we are in, whether that's verbal or nonverbal, whether it's just in connection, I guess we're always in communication with, with ourselves and with each other because we're so connected. And as you were saying, that's that quantum entanglement aspect that, that love may be the very, the very essence of, of why that occurs. And in what we experience as humans, like the love that we share you know, just, it might be different than what other beings or species experience. And so it's, it's an opportunity for us to, to remove ourselves in terms of not letting our ego define what love is based on our experience of love, but allow for that openness, um, not let ourselves get in our own way through ego and allow the ego to be a tool to open ourselves up to what love can be beyond what we're aware of. Yes, I love that. And ultimately, you know, there's a part of me that loves to pull back and say, what if all of this is just a giant science experiment? What if I am living one of the most amazing scientific experiments that's ever been held? That excites the living daylights out of me personally. It would be so amazing to contemplate that we're in duality to understand the difference between these energies that we say, like love and fear, or this experience of duality, but also the fact that coexistence is occurring simultaneously with duality. But what does that do on the energetic aspect? Because even matter at its core is energy, right? So what impact does all of this have when we become mindfully aware of it on the energetics of who we are at our own consciousness? So if I'm aware, if I say, okay, I accept the fact I'm in an experiment and I desire to experiment in this dualistic nature with nothing but love and understand what that brings forward in my life. Then everything that comes back to me is going to inform me of what a life built in love yields. And so far, it's yielded some pretty fantastic things. Now, you can choose to experiment with what a life built in fear would get you. But if we go back to your Emoto experiment, 
that has anything that resembles what it looked like with water, mm-hmm. it's not going to be very pretty. Yeah. And so science to science, I would say looking at what fear did to the molecular structure of water, knowing I'm mostly water, I kind of don't want that. I would rather gravitate more toward a life built with love and see experimentally what that yields for me. So that's what my ego tendencies would be. I feel like it's a great place to, uh, to end on. Thank you. Thank you for diving into weird, goofy, crazy topics that go all over the place with me. (laughs) It's amazing. It's so much fun. (laughs) And thank you for being willing to take this journey with us as we talk about ego, ego alignment, and we make the entire month of March all about that. We do have our ego alignment journal version 2.0 that you can download for free. What is the word to text to us? So yeah, you can direct message us through Facebook or Instagram and uh, just type the word align, A-L-I-G-N, and we will send you the journal right away. Awesome. So you can get that. It is a journey for sure. You can send us any feedback because we will continue to put these wonderful tools out for you every month. So if there are things that you would like to see in your journals, just let us know. We'll make sure that it happens. We also have an amazing membership opportunity now that we want to mention. So we have all of these free journals that come out every month. But that's just one resource that we have. We have an entire library of resources like this available now at a very low, low cost. You get everything from cooking shows to more journals like this, courses, workshops, weekly discussions. What am I forgetting? Coaching. Um, you know, yeah, we have uh, over... T- 70 different videos and workshops. Uh, so it's like, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. It's a so. lot of stuff. So <laughs> yes. make certain that you go to suivera.org and check out the new membership options so that you can really empower yourself with all of these tools that are available just for you. Until next time, I'm your host, Amber, and this is Austin, and we look forward to seeing you in the Suivera community. Thank you for listening to the Heart Leader Podcast. Are you ready to start leading from the heart? Visit theheartleaderpodcast.com to take our quiz and get your personalized roadmap for a happier and healthier life. Remember to follow the podcast so you never miss a new episode. And be sure to recommend it to your friends who might enjoy it with you. See you next week.